You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. All right, everyone, super excited to bring in Justin Blau, also known as Blau, as part of this NFT compilation series that we got going on here. So he is the CEO and co-founder at Royal, and he's also an EDM producer. I started listening to his stuff. I think it's got to be 2012 or 2013 when we're in our early, at least I was in my early 20s. I don't know about you, but I mean, Royal, I'll let you explain it in a a second, but I, I think it's genius. I was just talking to couple other kind of creators that have entrepreneurs that have moved into the NFT space. But I think here's the byline. So it, it's a music investment platform that makes it easy for fans to invest in artists and earn royalties alongside them. So I think that's super exciting. But Justin, I want to start off with welcoming you first. And yeah, let's just start there. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Royal is my, has been my baby and been an idea that I've been thinking about for basically seven years. Um, it, this is just its current form, you know, giving people access to investing in music assets, which are traditionally only accessible by record labels and private equity funds. You know, giving the public access unlocks incredible emotional value that's associated with owning music um, and truly owning the music that you listen to, as opposed to collectible music, which we think is less interesting. Amazing. Let's talk about your story too, because yeah, you have an interesting story. It's not always a straight line for people, and so you went literally all over the place, right? So, what is your story? Yeah, so I was I studied finance in college, structured products and index derivatives. I was going to go work at BlackRock, but I dropped out of school before my senior year to become a DJ. My career was kind of taking off organically, and thanks to YouTube and Facebook, I performed at a lot of colleges and then started performing at festivals. And that was my career for ten years. But I always kind of had my other foot in the financial world. Was always interested, you know, was interested in cryptocurrency. Starting in 2014, through my relationship with Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss, who introduced me to Bitcoin back then, and just followed as Ethereum kind of launched and, and as certain dApps were, were being developed, I was just so excited about this potential of disintermediating what is otherwise a heavily, heavily counterpartied and, and intermediated business. And so I kind of was always thinking about how crypto could affect music, and as I did some experiments with that in 2017, 2018 with NFTs and live music, just kind of exploring that. Royal is kind of the final frontier of my vision for how I think crypto and music intersect, which is this idea that anyone can be a record label, anyone can own the music they listen to and actually influence its success and have, you know, create this this aligned incentive mechanism between fans and artists that otherwise didn't exist, where a fan and an artist are actually partners in the success of that artist, as opposed to a one-way consumption world where you know, most fans can only interact with music in a flat demand curve, unilateral way. They can buy a license on iTunes, they can pay for a subscription service, they can pay for a piece of merchandise, or they can go see a performance. But none of those things really unlock the true value that music creates in people's lives. And so when you give a listener the opportunity to participate in the upside of an artist's success, you start seeing things completely change in the dynamic between artist fans and between all these intermediaries. And so that's what we do at Royal. We give people the ability to actually own a piece of their favorite songs. I want to talk about the mechanics in, in a second, but you had this one tweet talking about how artists only make 12%, I believe, of a $40 billion global music industry. Is that correct? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, which is nuts, right? So this is going to change things. So yeah, can you talk a little bit about kind of you know how the business makes money? How does it work exactly? Yeah, so the idea is pretty is pretty simple. When you buy an asset on Royal, you right now it's, it's a streaming royalty right in the song. So the more the song is streamed, the more royalties accrue to the asset, 
that extends not just within Web 2, but also in Web 3. It's, it's a legal right. So any kind of streaming income would be owned and co-owned by both the artists and their fans should the owner purchase an asset. But then the assets have additional features beyond just simple royalty ownership. Artists can kind of add features as they may, you know, thanks to the composability of tokens in general, exclusive access, content, community functions, whether it's private Discord channels and whatnot, are all high value add to token holder communities. And so I've kind of experimented with this personally. I basically am the guinea pig for all my crazy ideas and, and Royal is like the, the kind of final iteration of that. Got it. Let's talk about that project. And then I want to come back to the Royal in a second. So you've done a couple NFT projects now. I mean, can you talk about kind of the biggest success? Because I think there are some headlines there. I, I think Forbes even did a piece on it. So yeah, back back in February a year ago was kind of the big impact of, of a journey that I started maybe four years ago when I auctioned my album on my own website in a ranked auction format. And that generated, that was the first eight-figure NFT sale ever and was just a crazy moment for the music business and thinking about like the value of music is, is drastically undervalued in, in regular markets. And that was kind of the inspiration for me to start Royal, but there were a bunch of other, you know, that was kind of my album. And then I worked with my art director, Slime Sunday. We have a side project called SSX Blau, where we do audiovisual unique art on chain. And, and that was kind of the first iteration of my recent NFT journey. But yeah, there, there's been a lot of stuff that I've done over the years in NFT experiments. And, you know, it all kind of aligned with this idea that the public should have access to participating in, in musicians' careers. Ultimately, fans are the ones that drive a career forward and they have zero participation. So that's kind of the core principle that I've been excited about. And NFTs kind of help unlock that. Got it. And that one sale, was it what, 11 million bucks? What was it? 11.7, yeah. I don't know how I remember that, but <laughs> close enough. Yeah. Crazy. So, you know, what's interesting, like conversations I've had with kind of other founders in this space, like they they comment on, on Royals, like what you're doing is really, really hard. And I just don't have enough context, so I wouldn't know. So why is it so hard? They're like, you know, uh, Justin's taking a swing at it, blah, blah, blah. Like some people are just like, oh, it's going to be really hard. So why is it there's really a, hard? There's a number of reasons. I think part one is just abstracting crypto is hard, right? So like letting somebody invest in something with a credit card without having knowledge of the crypto ecosystem or having to install MetaMask, building a, we call Royal a Web 2.5 platform and that like it supports existing Web3 users and also supports non-crypto native users getting engaged. Like we really want to be the, the killer product to bring on the next 10 million to 100 million people into this ecosystem. But it's really hard to do that with a lot of barriers to entry, like, you know, installing MetaMask security, ETH, even like owning ETH to buy something. So that's kind of one thing that, that is particularly difficult. The other difficulty is connecting off-chain and on-chain worlds in that artists are, through Royal, artists are ultimately obligated to pay their fans what they're owed. The legal agreement that we post is not between Royal and anyone. It's between the artists and their token holders. And so, you know, a lot of people say, well, what happens if an artist doesn't pay? Um, realistically, any in any business, right, there's, there's accounting structures and, you know, payouts and whatnot. And so it's, of course, up to the artist to be a good actor and, and fulfill their obligation. And we think that many will, of course, the same way everyone pays their invoices, right? So I think there, there are lots of components that feel really difficult to people because they're new. But thankfully, our, our team is building a lot of the stuff and building it successfully. Got it. That's amazing. So you've produced a ton of music in the past, but you've worked in, you've worked in finance. Clearly, you know what you're doing. And this is kind of, is this your first startup? I guess technically it's my second, but my first okay. was really just a project experiment with NFTs back in 2017, 2018. Got it. Um, this is my first full, full-time startup, I should say. I'm not making as much music these days, unfortunately. I wish I was, but I do spend most of my time on Royal. Got it. So th that's the question I wanted to ask too. So like, 
how are you balancing between being an artist and a startup founder? So you kind of just answered that. So like, how, how does that work, by the way? Do they just, people hit you up? It's like, hey, like we need you to produce stuff or you just produce stuff on your own time. Like I never understood that. And on my own time, like making music is always kind of a personal experience. It's less like deadline oriented. Yeah. So you know, ever since I started Royal, I haven't really made anything new, but I'm like slowly finishing some ideas that I started during COVID. Definitely full-time Royal first these days. It gives me so much energy waking up in the morning and thinking about what we're building that I get. I'm genuinely just like super stoked every day to, to build it with my team. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to Justin Kahn a little earlier about his new startup Fractal and like, I was like, why do another startup? You've done so many already. And like, it's the same answer for me. It, it, business in general is a nice creative outlet. And so I guess I'm curious to learn from you, you know, being kind of a, a new founder in the Web3 space, like what are some, some learnings that people can, can take away here? Yeah, I think there's a lot of siloed information in that the Web3 world is pretty close and sometimes loses perspective on like what the mainstream world wants. And I think that like going into a project and having this vision of like everything being fully decentralized is kind of where I started. Um, and then you begin to realize just how difficult it is to get people to care outside of the Web3 world. Like everyone in Web3 is like so focused on this concept, you know, hardcore decentralization. And then when you start looking at the actual practicality of it, and like onboarding the mainstream, you realize that like Web 2.5 is probably the necessary step before full full on Web 3. That's not to say there are lots of like Web 3 specific tools like Uniswap or you know DeFi applications that already have reached like critical mass and will continue to grow. When you start thinking about consumer products, though, you really have to like and, and you know in our case it's like letting anybody get access to something. You don't want to isolate a specific user group and only give them access. You want to kind of expand the, the as many people as possible, and that requires this kind of web 2.5 mindset that we told true about Royal. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, you know, we talk about this on this podcast, it's, it's all about onboarding. So when you're going to build a product or a service, it's all about good onboarding. And it, unfortunately the rails right now for crypto suck. So I guess for you too, like when I look at Royal, like when I look at the team that you've built, you have a really good team and happy to have you talk about it in a second, but you also have really good investors too. So 71 million bucks raised or more from Andreessen Horowitz. So how did you manage to put together this amazing team? Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. I think my co-founder, JD, is my best friend from college. And I'm just so lucky that he decided to go on this journey with me. You know, he's had many successful startups in his past history. He knows how to build a team way better than I do. But we've just attracted incredible engineering, legal, product talent from all over the place. Everyone, you know, Instagram, YouTube, people, people are coming to work at Royal from lots of leg legacy Web2 companies. And even like Ken Schiller, who's our head of crypto engineering, came from DYDX. So having like this combination of expertise from Web2, Web3 world is exactly kind of what we need to build the right product. And we're just lucky that people share the vision and are really excited by it. Amazing, man. And so I want to go back to your NFT project. And then the same question is going to apply for Royal too. How did you go about marketing the selling that 11.7? That so people are going to say, oh my God, Blau was a big DJ already, big producer, like easy for him to do. Like, I want you to, I don't know, maybe expand yeah. on that. In all honesty, I, like there was no, when we did that auction, the expectation was less than $100,000. It was, it was an experiment. Whoa. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was truly an experiment that just worked without me ever, you know, knowing that it would work. The idea of a ranked auction was always interesting to me. I kind of came up with that format from my kind of background in economics, thinking about, you know, the scarcity of a physical asset at the end of an auction versus the more flexible scarcity that could exist in crypto in an auction format where you can access like all, all parts of the demand curve. Yeah, it was incredible, really. It was like a lighting in a bottle moment where 
people were just excited to own the first music album NFT ever, right? And that was a special moment. It was a combination of all these different things, but there wasn't really that much marketing in the sense that like a lot of the growth that I've experienced has been, has, has, has been truly organic. Like obviously there's social posting, like general awareness, but like no paid advertising or anything of that sort. It's all just kind of word of mouth, hardcore believers. And that, that's how you really build a movement. So that album is the very first NFT album ever. Yes. Okay. That that's why it's worth the eleven point seven. That makes that makes a lot of sense to me. And to your point, like when I looked at your stuff, I mean, going to many EDCs, too many EDCs, but like just following you in general, it's you've always been just who you are. Like you are who you are. You don't try to be someone that you're not, and you're just you are organic, right? And I think that goes a long way. I said thank you. I hope so. <laughs> no, you definitely come off that way. So you are. So how about with Royal? Like, how are you marketing it right now? I guess are you even marketing it right now? Honestly, most of the growth has been pretty organic. We were we had so many people show up to our first issuance with Nas. Um, we had 176,000 people try to buy it. It was insane. It crashed our site. We had expectations that were way lower than that. I think the reality is marketing of anything shouldn't feel like marketing. I think like Board Apes is a great example of just like organic growth, no paid advertising, just like people really believing in the community. And I think we're lucky at Royal to have that same attraction and belief system. You know, it's the weirdest thing for me right now because we're in the middle of the, like we're doing our pre-sale this um, in three days. And like, because I, we have the marketing agency, right? There's, but it's like all the work we do for clients, it's, it's all ads. It's all like paid stuff. But this, it's like, it's weird because we have to like totally turn on like an other side of our, our marketing brain. And I mean, to be frank, it's, it's, it's harder, but it's, it's also more enjoyable too. It's more fulfilling that way. So a lot of people listening to this right now, like we get comments from time to time, which is why we're doing this NFT compilation right now. They just, they're like, this NFTs are a scam. Why are you guys talking about NFTs? Stop talking about NFTs, right? So I guess, you know, for newer people listening to this right now, they, they're kind of understanding what Royal is all about. What are some more like a easy ways for people to on-ramp to Web3 for them to learn about this stuff? Yeah, so we, Royal, we actually, like our assets are NFTs. We don't call them that. We call our assets limited digital assets because that's exactly what they are. They're literally just limited digital items that represent true ownership in a song. So... Crypto is a mechanism through which you can a piece of music. But the core principle at Royal is like letting anybody own music with their favorite artists. So thinking of an artist and fan as partners instead of one-way consumption, that's our like general model. And crypto just happens to be the best way to achieve that vision. Um, if that wasn't true, we wouldn't be a crypto company, right? And so like the vision stays the same. You should be able to buy interest in your favorite music at will, right? That's, that's kind of our, our general vision. Here's the question I wanted to ask. And so on this pod, uh, my, my partner and I, we talk about how long it typically takes to become quote unquote successful. So let's go back early in your kind of producer, you know, DJ career. Like how long did it take for people to start noticing you? Like how many years do you think? You know, that's a tough one. I think it's, that's a really good question. Really since I was like, I've been making music since I was seven years old. So if you think about it that way, quite a long time. But from the moment I started DJing, so I played piano and guitar and drums. And I started DJing when I was like 17, 16, 17, which was pretty early um, in the United States for that. So the actual DJing took about two years before I achieved like success in that like I had a couple things go viral on YouTube, which like is maybe the first iteration of success. But I think that like that was the culmination of all my musical development over the prior, you know, decades, decade and a half of time. Right. So it's like and then the same is true here. We're like, I've been involved in crypto for seven years, tried an experiment in 2017, 2018 that worked, but like was not, was the wrong time. 
for NFTs. And I think part of the success today is just that a lot of people in the community know that I, I was around back then, right? Like I was, I, I'm not a new champion of this stuff. I've been, been kind of championing this technology for a long time. And among the other people that have, there's like a lot of mutual respect. And so I think success kind of comes through in two ways. It's like undying hard work towards a goal that you make lots of sacrifices to achieve. But then it also comes from like the respect of the community and it doesn't always just manifest in financial terms. I think like for me, at least all dollars aside, I care a lot more about my reputation than, than my bank account. Mm-hmm. And I think most successful people in crypto follow that mentality because like these numbers are ludicrous. The volatility is crazy. So much value is being injected into this market and it changes every day. And the only kind of piece of me that I know I can control is less my portfolio value and more my reputation. I think a lot of people share that philosophy and that's what I care most about. It's hard to find people that are like that in the world in general. I wish I got a chance to invest, damn it. So two rapid fire things. And so, and real quick, like on this podcast, Neil and I, we say it typically takes about three to five years to start to see audience success or business success. And I think you're more or less kind of saying the same thing too. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay, so rapid fire questions. It can be one word for you or one sentence or whatever. Favorite business or personal book? The Intelligent Investor. I know that's kind of lame, but... No, it's not lame. That's a great book. All right. Favorite business or personal tool? So you can say like an aura ring. Aura ring. All right. Not an aura ring. That's that's cheating. Come on. Give me another one. Oculus. Because I every night I play 30 minutes of Population 1 in VR and it helps me recalibrate my brain. Fascinating. All right, Justin, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? Just at 3LAU everywhere on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. All right, Justin, thanks for doing this. Thanks, Eric. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.